This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talked to Steve Ginty of Risk IQ about attack services on the internet and how Risk IQ helps keep you informed, as well as where NetApp products such as Spot Security and ONTAP fit. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so fun. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have some special guests to talk to us about uh, security, uh, ransomware, surface management, that sort of thing. To do that, we've brought along a special guest from a company called Risk IQ. Uh, Steve Ginty is here. So Steve, what do you do? How do I reach you? Hey, uh, thanks for having me today. Um, I'm the director of intelligence here at RiskIQ. So my job is to herd the analyst cats uh, into uh, mining our data to, to help customers understand their exposures online uh, and the threat actors that target them and wrap that up into a way that organizations can effectively kind of defend their uh, their environment online. All right. How do we reach you? You can reach me uh, on Twitter at, at SEGinty is, uh, is my Twitter handle, steve.ginty at RiskIQ. Dot com is also my email address. I was a little worried with Ginty, we'd have this GIF versus GIF thing where it, <laughs> it might be Ginty. You, you got it right for out of the gate. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so lucky guess. There. Lucky guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, also with us today, we have Matt Trudwin. Uh, Matt, you are from NetApp. What do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? I am from NetApp. I feel like I, I live at NetApp sometimes. Uh, thanks for having me, Justin. Yeah, Matt Trudwin, you can reach me on Twitter as well. I guess. I should say I'm a security evangelist, but yeah, Twitter, NTAP Matt, N-T-A-P Matt, and looking forward to today's conversation. I mean, technically with all the work from home, you do live at NetApp. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Actually, I've been work from home since 2015, so I got on that band early. NetApp's my roomie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, also with us today, we have Azadine Benamore. So Azadine, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Um, so I lead Spot Security. Um, it's it's now called Spot by NetApp, right? So we're all under the same umbrella of uh, of NetApp. We help Spot Security is a cloud security posture management tool that help organization control their you know security posture, but from an internal and infrastructure uh, viewpoint. And I'm unlike the cool kids. I'm not on Twitter, uh, and I'm a security guy, so you can only reach me with uh, Azadine at netapp.com. Yeah, the security guys, they, they tend to keep it close to the vest there. Matt, Matt's an exception. Matt's like the evangelist, so he's got to be out there. But guys like Azadine and Dan Tullidge, they're like, no, no Twitter for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Dan locks his tweets. <laughs> Dan locks it, man. He's on lock. All right. Um, so so Steve is, again, here from Risk IQ, um, acquired by Microsoft. So Steve, could you kind of give us a background of Risk IQ? You know, tell us about the Microsoft acquisition and, and you know, generally what Risk IQ is. RiskIQ was founded in, in 2010, uh, and the goal of the company was to eventually, uh, it was a, a bit of a lofty goal at the time, provide a snapshot to organizations on what's happening on the internet so that we can respond to incidents and understand what may have caused incidents and, and give people kind of context to what's happening in an incident. And so we built a, a set of collection technologies around web crawlers and scanners uh, to really understand everything that, that was taking place online to be able to interrogate a web page and see you know, if bad advertising was, was being routed into it, to understand actor infrastructure and 
their command and control domains and hosts. Uh, and so we, we do a, a significant amount of data collection in order to understand an organization's exposure on the internet and help them combat that. And so we offer two, uh, two products. Uh, we have a, a threat intel platform that's uh, you know, very approachable to analysts come in query for you know, IPs, domains, hosts, et cetera, and get all of the connected information that RiskIQ may have on that infrastructure with the goal of you know, giving you a understanding if something is good or bad, right? Is this, uh, is this IP that I was just alerted to inside of my SIM uh, associated with bad activity? What does RiskIQ know about it? Uh, on the flip side, we have something called uh, our digital footprint product, which focuses on attack service management. What is an organization's attack service uh, on the internet? What is the makeup of it? What are the possible you know, vulnerabilities or, or avenues uh, that an actor could, uh, could leverage to get access to that organization? And so we uh, constantly scan the internet and surface that information to our customers to help them effectively manage that risk and protect their environment. Tell me more about these attack services. What sort of things qualifies as an attack service and, and how does RiskIQ monitor those? Like, What does it use and how does it verify if there's an attack service that's vulnerable? We classify attack services anything that an organization owns that is, uh, that is connected to the internet. So we're, uh, we're, we're doing external scanning. We're not an agent or anything like that. And so it's basically our purview, the same purview that maybe an attacker would have on an organization. And the attack service can be a whole broad swath of things. It can be you know, domains that you own, web pages that you manage, server infrastructure, mail infrastructure, uh, you name it. It can be kind of your social media presence and your brand presence online. And it can also be kind of those assets uh, that are stood up that are impersonating your brand for credential harvesting and, and phishing. So we cover a broad swath of assets uh, that we try to manage for organizations. What we do is we, we run uh, a discovery algorithm that goes out and spiders through all of our data to understand what an organization looks like online. We inventory that and then we layer kind of views on top of it for organizations. So if we go with you know some of the, the recent vulnerabilities in Java with, with Spring Shell, or we're looking at uh, you know VMware Workspace ONE that has a critical remote code execution vulnerability, we can use our technology to fingerprint those resources and tell an organization where they are in their environment and give them kind of the ability to surface that information very quickly. So are you comparing this against like a database of, of vulnerabilities and, you know, data breaches that have been reported, or are you actually pen testing things as you're going out there and doing these scans? So we're, we're not taking it to the full pen test level. I would say we're not a, we're not a vulnerability scanner. We're, uh, we're kind of a, a situational awareness tool. Where are these assets online? And as I'm doing port scanning, as I'm crawling, as I'm doing you know, my data collection, can my analyst fingerprint where these devices are based off what we collect in our data set and point organizations in the right direction? Um, you know, like I said, maybe you, you know, acquired an organization and, you know, you don't really have a full handle on what their attack service is and a new vulnerability came up. We can help you, you know, kind of shine a light on, on where those assets are across, you know, both your attack service and maybe other organizations you have acquired to help you identify this. You mentioned this is not an agent. Is it a cloud native service that you run scans on yourself? Uh, is it a service that, you know, RiskIQ provides, you know, you basically pay them to do the work for them? Or is it all of the above? Like, is that something that you can pick and choose a la carte how you want to manage this? We are a, a fully, uh, you know, built SaaS platform. So uh, we are kind of the ones doing the scanning uh, on your behalf. There is input that an organization can, can provide. So uh, we will tell you what we know is you online. Uh, you can certainly tell us what you know is you online as well. And we will de-conflict those things. 
And normally we find about 30% more assets uh, that organizations have uh, that they weren't actively under management. And once we, we get that kind of view and picture of you, we will work with the customer to prioritize what gets scanned at what cadence. Uh, you know, so if you have you know critical assets that you want scanned daily, multiple times a day, once a week, whatever, uh, we can work with that that customer to to understand how they want to go about conducting their scans. And so most of the time, our customers are interacting with the output of our scanning and our our inventory and discovery capabilities, and then kind of coming back to us for for questions and, and kind of subject matter expertise. I would imagine that this also includes things that tell you that, you know, you're, you're down rev on patches or, you know, things that, you know, informs you about the nature of your environment in terms of not just vulnerabilities, but, you know, versions of, of software. Is that, is that accurate? Correct. You know, we can point out, you know, end of life software uh, that you're running. Uh, we can kind of help organizations manage when SSL certificates are expiring so that they don't maybe uh, have an expired certificate on a uh, on a critical property, we can help organizations understand the cadence of, of hosts and domains they may have uh, registered and, and when they're about to expire. So we can kind of slice and dice a whole bunch of things. My team focuses on kind of more of the threats and vulnerabilities, but there's a whole compliance kind of capability that the tool can provide to our customers. And I would imagine there's a functionality in there to try to help mitigate and prevent ransomware. Is that something that you guys do as well? I mean, if so, how does that happen? <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't say mitigate. Uh, we can help you understand where some of the avenues might be. Uh, where are open RDP sessions? Where are any kind of remote access type of tools and capabilities that may be connected online? Uh, what's their security posture? Where are their kind of weak logins uh, and, and kind of areas uh, and vulnerabilities that we know that ransomware actors target? So we can provide that type of visibility. You know, where are Where are the doors that the ransomware actors are going to be knocking on? You should probably focus there first. Uh, and then we're also always looking at kind of uh, the, the infrastructure that ransomware actors use. Uh, and so whether it's Cobalt Strike or, or TrickBot or other pieces of malware, uh, we're constantly fingerprinting their command and control infrastructure online and providing uh, that information to customers and that visibility. Okay, so Risk IQ is kind of like the guy who goes around the house making sure the windows are locked, making sure the doors are locked, right? Um, so mitigation and, and detection might fall under you know, this, this side of the storage or the server. Um, and in this case, our store, our storage is on tap, um, in some cases, right? So, so Matt, <laughs> this is where you come in, right? So what do we have that would do the mitigation and detection? Yeah, we have a, a few capabilities, right? Um, the, and that's a good point too. Uh, we're not just about recovery. A lot of, um, different storage companies may only be able to provide a recovery story, especially natively, right? So we have a lot of native capabilities that can do detection and prevention. Uh, for ransomware specifically, we're talking about NAS shares is where we can detect it. So as ransomware infects local machines, uh, Windows, servers, uh, Linux, whatever have you, typically it tries to spread over the network via SMB or NFS. And we have uh, several things there that can detect that from F policy native to using F policy in external mode where we integrate with our cloud insights and cloud secure uh, that leverages something called user behavioral analytics, or actually uh, they added entity in there too. So UEBA, and that's pretty powerful because what you do is you learn the pattern of users and how they typically work, right? And all of a sudden, if it's doing something really abnormal, that can be a good indication of ransomware. Uh, say, for example, I, I think I've used this one quite a bit, but, uh, you know, late on a weekend night, 
some user in HR opens up thousands of files all at once and starts modifying them, uh, that's probably an abnormal activity, could be indication of ransomware. We can take automatic actions, things like snapshots, even block the user with cloud uh, insights and cloud secure. And that's one layer, right? We have multiple layers of detection. Uh, another one is introduced in ONTAP in 9.10.1 is on-box anti-ransomware detection, where it will look at writes across the volume, not just from a particular user, but just volume-wise. And are we starting to see unusual extensions or unusual workloads with high data entropy? That could be indications of ransomware. Again, take automatic actions like alerting, letting you know something's going on, taking snapshots. Um, and these are, like I said, native capabilities. So it's great to have that on box. And if you can detect ransomware early and prevent the spread, that's really going to save you a lot of cost, right? The largest cost of a ransomware attack, surprisingly enough, is not the ransomware payment itself. It's actually the downtime, lost productivity that you experience while you're trying to get everyone back and, and working, right? So the sooner you can detect and prevent, the quicker you can uh, recover and, and get back up online and uh, so that's kind of the key there. And that's why we have some of those some of those capabilities. We have many more, but uh, yeah, that's it at a high level. So Steve, you know, earlier you mentioned that Risk IQ scans things that are on that are connected to the internet, right? And when we're talking about storage and infrastructure, that's not always connected to the internet. That's kind of inside the network. Does Risk IQ offer services that doesn't just scan the internet, but also scans inside of organizations, right? Or are, are you able to scan deeper than just the external pieces? At the moment, we don't. We are we have kind of put, positioned ourselves as kind of the the external view for an organization. But obviously, you know, that's a that's a question we get asked a lot uh, by organizations that are looking at our, our roadmap and our capabilities. And it's clearly a you know a, a gap that we want to fill. And hopefully, as we kind of progress in uh, in our journey inside of the Microsoft ecosystem, we can kind of start to provide that kind of holistic inside and outside view that organizations are really looking for. Risk IQ, I guess, is a piece of the puzzle, right? So when you're dealing with security and ransomware, it's not going to be one solution that solves the problem. It's going to have to be a multi-tiered approach. So you guys are the external facing first line of defense, right? Yeah. We like to say, you know, I mean, organizations have, have you know, too many things to respond to and, and too many kind of vulnerabilities to triage threats to, to focus on. We're trying to kind of condense that down to, to the most important things an organization should focus on. We know these threats are using these vulnerabilities. And if these threats are, are you know, your, your primary concern as an organization, here are the top five, 10 areas you should focus on inside of your attack service. So you guys are kind of like the scouts, right? You go out and you're scouting out the landscape here. Now, as a dean, what does spot security fit in here? Like, does it fit somewhere in between this? Is it between the external threat and the internal infrastructure? Where does it fit? So actually, it's a, it's a good segue into spot security here. So spot security helps you pretty much have that, you know, inside view of your infrastructure. How do you manage your cloud? How is it compliant? If you have any threats or, you know, security incidents uh, and, and of course, security best practices, right? So if you want to think about, you know, the inside and the outside view that, that RiskIQ present, uh, spot security really helps you narrow down what is your internal security posture? How are you managing your infrastructure? Provide also some context for each of these securities that are affecting. And, you know, just to go over quickly, when you have, you know, a finding with, with spot security, what's really sets us, what, what really sets us apart is, is the context, right? Because I can tell you, hey, this load balancer is open to the public, or you have a, you know, a security group that lets anybody in. This is not super 
you know, at the scale of a big organization, right? Like the NetApp and the Microsoft of the world or the Fortune 500, right? This is really hard to know what is actually, you know, that resource used for, right? You don't know what that load balancer is for. And, and what we do is we provide kind of a blast radius map for each of the assets or the security risks that we, we do provide. And that helps you understand better the context. Hey, you know, maybe it's normal, maybe it's expected because, you know, this load balancer is actually helping serve my, uh, you know, production application. But maybe it's unexpected because that load balancer shouldn't be allowing any traffic from the outside. And you mentioned, you know, I want to I go back on one point you mentioned, which is, you know, sometimes difficult for many people to understand. Really security, you know, to do proper security, it's a defense and death solution, right? Every layer needs to be protected. There's not a single layer that prevents you from everything, right? You cannot just look at the outside and say, hey, I know we're okay from the outside, so we must be good. No, security is every single layer must have some protection. It's kind of a fail safe, right? If they go through the first layer, maybe the second layer catches them and, and so on and so forth. And you mentioned, and along these lines, you cannot just look at the inside and be confident on your security posture. Combining the external, uh, you know, the external view and the external threat is is definitely something that is beneficial for many customers. And if you want to take a, a concrete example, right, of how you know this piece would fit together, right? Imagine you have Risk IQ that says, "Hey, looking at your external, um, you know, your external attack surface, we've identified that there's a." There's a service exposed that has a, a known vulnerability with a CV and an exploit ready in Rapid7, you know, Metasploit. Then that's, that's helpful, right? You can manage this external attack surface, but you still need to know what could that potentially lead to into your infrastructure. Is it just tied to an old domain with not really interconnection with your, you know, the crown jewels of your organization? Or is it something that actually can have a much bigger impact for your organization? And that's also where we fit, right? So I, I think... Combining this outside, you know, outside in view and, and the inside out view is, is definitely beneficial for many, many organizations. And it takes effort, right? Security, you know, that's that's the that's always the challenge, right? Security is not a an always measurable uh target, right? You cannot always say how many dollars you save to the organization, but you know when you've been affected how much you've lost, right? That's the that's the downside of security, but it's definitely important. So Steve, can, can you kind of give me an idea about Risk IQ? Like what's the differentiator here? How does how does Risk IQ stand out in terms of things that would do ex- external vulnerability scanning? It's the visibility piece, right? So we're we're focused on providing an organization the ability to understand when big event happens but what is my exposure, right? We've seen this with a, with a lot of different vulnerabilities over the last few years of, uh, you know, the management wants, wants an answer very quickly and they want to know, you know, how do they have to respond to this? And we work with our customers to ensure they have some information and intelligence to provide that context to an organization, right? Spring Shell, where is all my spring framework, you know, infrastructure, where is that, uh, that Tomcat infrastructure exist? We're trying to, to be able to allow security you know, operations centers, vulnerability management teams to very quickly provide that lay of the land for an organization and the impact so that they can then kind of follow on and take appropriate actions with scanning you know, the, the systems that may be impacted. All right. So, you know, Risk IQ is just one company and a group of many cybersecurity companies out there. So given that, where do you see all this going? Do you see there being a consolidation or convergence convergence of these companies? I know that you know, for example, Risk IQ got acquired by Microsoft. 
Do you see that happening more and more? And where do you see the future going for security intelligence, Steve? Uh, yeah, I think that's that a good question. I think you're certainly seeing some consolidation, you know, obviously with, with our acquisition by Microsoft. You're also seeing that with, uh, you know, Google uh, acquiring Mandiant uh, and kind of security becoming a much larger focus for major cloud providers, I would say. Each tool is a piece in the puzzle, uh, as we said earlier, to, to solve this problem. And so from the Risk IQ perspective, uh, this convergence is, is really, really useful because, you know, we have the ability to provide situational awareness and visibility to organizations. And our acquisition with Microsoft brings in a control plane that allows us to then affect change. We're not only helping organizations understand their attack surface and the vulnerabilities uh, in them, but we're able to, to work with you know, partner organizations inside of now Microsoft uh, and even third-party providers to ensure that those risks and vulnerabilities are mitigated. So I kind of see this going as us being a more proactive approach to help organizations defend themselves. Yeah, and, and NAP is not immune to this kind of mentality either. I mean, we've had our own acquisitions, such as Spot, right? So, so Azadine, you know, you, coming from a, a company that got acquired by NetApp, where do you see NetApp's security story, and and how do you see it evolving? And then we'll go to Matt to kind of have him kind of flesh that out a little more. Yeah, so I think you know Steve is right. There, there's definitely a lot of consolidation happening in the last few years in security, and you see smaller security companies getting acquired. But I think if you if you want to understand the, the vision here and, and why it's happening is because people don't want to have these fragmented vendors, right, in security. And they want to have a consistent story with security. And, and that, unfortunately, comes with, you know, having a platform and be able to consume part of services and combine them together in the way that is consistent and doesn't require, you know, thousands of man hours of integration because the data format is different. And leveraging these data is going to be critical, right? If you, if you want to think about the, the biggest challenge that, that there is in, in security today, it's not finding the right signal, so to speak, right? There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of, of methods to generate information. The problem is that the sheer amount of that information, it's just insane, right? If you look at a, even a simple deployment, right? And you're, you're looking at the signal from your public cloud environment, you're looking at the endpoint, you're looking into the, the external attack surface, you have like billions of data points a month, right? The problem is there's never enough human to, you know, to address all of these uh, potential threats. And I think while the industry is gearing up and making business decisions and you know, consuming companies and consolidating them, which I think makes sense in terms of, of delivery, I think on the technical side of things for security products, where we're heading is a lot more pre-consumed information, like instead of giving you or having analysts uh, triage, you know, I don't know, thousands of alerts today, we're going to automate, you know, whether it's machine learning or, or something else, we're going to be automating and presenting actionable insights to users, right? Instead of telling you, hey, look at all these logs to figure out what happened, we're going to be able to tell them, hey, this is what you should be doing because of that specific value in these specific files, right? So I think really more streamlined process, reducing the amount of alerts and, and really narrowing down the, the time, you know, time to action, right? Because by the time you have an alert, the time someone processes it, validates it and confirms the finding and you close the hole, you've already, you know, most of your important data is probably already gone in the wrong hands. So I, I think this is where we're heading, more intelligent, contextualized security uh, and, and really with, with actions, right? Not just providing you something for a human to figure out. So a lot more automation I see in that space and delivered as a, as a platform. 
It's going to have to be, too. I mean, the threat actors themselves are automating this stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the idea is to have a sheer overwhelming force that just bogs down everything in your environment and you can't address it all. They know you can't address it all. So if one is, you know, if they can just get one to squeeze in, then that's enough. Exactly. So, so Matt, what, what about the NetApp security story? Like, can you kind of give us an idea of where that's shaping up? Yeah, I think it plugs into this conversation very nicely, right? Because um, what Risk IQ is bringing for perimeter security um, and just how everyone's looking at that, that's of immeasurable um, importance, right? But there should be a layered approach like we talked about today. And what we can provide with that is a security layer at the data itself, right? Right beside the data. So of course, you still need endpoint security and all the other things, but you don't want to neglect uh, the data if you can have some security capabilities there. And that's something that probably a lot of organizations don't think about, right? They tend to think about just external perimeter, maybe some, some server level, but actually to get it on the storage level is, is quite unique. And the way we like to talk about it is uh, cyber resiliency, right? Uh, it's a little bit of a newer term. Some others are talking about it, but really it's the combination of data protection and data security. And when you experience these cyber events, how resilient are you going to be to that, right? Like how fast are you going to continue to service uh, your, your customers and keep your organization, the data flowing? That's what cyber resiliency is really all about. And cyber events could be multiple things. It doesn't have to just be an attacker, maybe running ransomware, maybe doing some um, you know, rootkits, things like that. It could also be a man-made event, right? Which is loss of power cooling in a data center. Maybe it's um, a natural disaster, hurricane, earthquake, or flood. All those things are cyber events and how your organization responds to it, hopefully in an automated way, like as Adin was mentioning, right? That's really where we need to go. The better off uh, you're going to be. And so one of the ransomware protections I mentioned earlier, you heard me talk about automated actions, right? And so that's where we're definitely heading, trying to have more capabilities like that. Um, we're definitely very zero trust focused. You know, things like uh, MFA, um, even F policy can help you classify your data. Actually, Cloud DataSense does an even, even better job of that and, and plugs into some of these things. And part of what we provide is that um, simplicity. That's that single pane of glass uh, for a lot of these things, uh, particularly with ransomware. We had a new product launch. I think it's just been maybe in the last couple months or so, um, a ransomware protection dashboard in Cloud Manager. So you go out to Cloud Manager and you have a dashboard that will connect you to your Cloud Insights, your on-box anti-ransomware. You know, you, you need to check out the uh, the website. We can put that in the show notes of what capabilities we have because it's something we're certainly building. But from a ransomware standpoint, that's the idea to have a single uh, UI, single pane, pane of glass where you can monitor all these actions and, and those type of things. So I think that's where we really fit in. Uh, we try to position ourselves as the data-centric security leader. And don't forget about, about that being a key component of your overall security strategy. Steve, with Risk IQ, it sounds like it's pretty agnostic, right? It doesn't really care what the endpoint is. It just scans based on the internet, right? So, it, you know, there, I guess there isn't really any need to worry about if it's NetApp or not. Um, you know, that said, I mean, you know, if I wanted to test a Risk IQ out or, you know, give it a shot or even just learn more about it, where would I find that kind of information? And do you have any demos or, or, or you know, trial periods there? We are agnostic in our collection and how we're providing customers visibility and our customers pipe this information 
to all sorts of other tools to make you know appropriate risk decisions. If someone wants to come in uh, and check out our, our capabilities, we have a community, community.riskiq.com. It's a portal uh, that allows you to access uh, both our data as a, a threat investigator. There's also a, a trial period, a 30-day trial of our Illuminate platform, which allows you to look at your attack service based off a single seed, uh, your email domain, if you register with your corporate domain. It will generate an attack surface and what we know based off that single email domain and provide you very quick hit insights into what we can see. From there, obviously, you can work with our team to build a much more robust view of, of your organization and kind of meet kind of needs of, of requirements and programs. But community.riskiq.com is uh, is probably the best landing point to learn more about the services we offer. And I imagine the response to the question of, you know, how impactful is this to my environment is, is like basically, it's already happening to you <laughs> with all these threat actors, right? And you're not noticing it. So yeah, I don't, I don't imagine there's a lot of impact with RiskIQ hitting your networks. Correct. We run a web crawler and a, and a scanning agent that goes out on a daily basis. It's data we're already collecting on uh, on the internet. And so we're just using that data that we've collected to generate that snapshot of your organization. Do you ever have like uh, intrusion detection or firewalls flag you guys and just say, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we do have, we do have an opt out capability. Uh, so uh, astute admins uh, for, for certain scenarios will ask us to stop. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we have abilities to tell us uh, to, to decline certain portions we are scanning. And we have had uh, had some some angry uh, admins and firewall people at times. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that probably tickles the uh, <laughs> some of the alerts because it probably looks a lot like a, th- a threat actor coming in. Uh, we try to be more agnostic. We're you know we're looking at, at ports and service fingerprinting. We're not trying to be too actively intrusive in our scanning, but it can set off some alarm bells for certain organizations. All right, Matt. So I, I understand that a security best practice for NetApp systems is you know don't expose them to the internet. Well, let's say that I, that I don't care about those recommendations and I'm going to expose it to the internet anyway. And RiskIQ can, can you know, see if there's sort of vulnerabilities there. It, what sort of things does NetApp have in addition to what we you know do with the ransomware detection to kind of enhance that functionality? Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely not the best idea, right? Uh, but we actually have had some customers do that. And one of the things that we do have on box is a is a firewall, believe it or not. ONTAP has a built-in firewall. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can at least restrict there from a services standpoint. Uh, we changed it to some of them are called service policies. I think uh, 9.7 or 9.6. But if you're looking around documentation, either one of those can certainly help. Um, but in addition to that, it's really important, like anything else, to keep your system patched. Um, and we, like any other company, we release information uh, on CVEs and if it affects any of our products or not. You can see that on security.netapp.com and there's an advisory section. But sometimes reading through all those and checking all those, and we've already talked about you know, manpower today, and <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to do, right? I mean, if you have young kids at home, you want to put them to sleep, read them a, a, the latest CVE. No, that's but- what I do. Yeah, you must sleep well then, yours must do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one way to look at it. But another way is the artist formerly known as auto support long timers, Active IQ. It's called Active IQ today. And Active IQ is does what the name says. It's really smart. Uh, it will take a look, basically imports all the CVEs that we generate through our PCERT team, our uh, product security incidents and response team. And it loads those up and it checks if you have auto support turned on and you're, you're calling home, it'll check your system and see if there's any vulnerabilities that need to be patched. And sometimes it can actually just be something that you may need to uh, do a workaround on. Maybe you don't need this particular service turned on, 
uh, you know, and not, and not something you have to patch, but just something you don't need to use. So uh, there's a couple ways you can look at it. And in fact, end of last year, they added a ransomware defense section in there, active IQ as well. So it's a good thing to turn on call home auto support and be checking that pretty regularly to see if you have any security or vulnerabilities you need to patch or ransomware best practices, defense practices you need to take. So it sounds like we've got a uh, a good security s'more story here. So when I say s'mores, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with those. <laughs> um, I know most he people, love but graham, graham crackers and marshmallow and chocolate, right? So you got your graham cracker with risk IQ. <laughs> You got your chocolate with spot security, and then you got your marshmallow with with the ONTAP functionality. And that's really the way you want to look at a security approach, right? Taking it and hold that the s'more is much more delicious when everything is together as opposed to just each individual component. That's a great uh, metaphor. I I like it. It makes me hungry. (laughs) I love s'mores. All right. Um, so I, I, I think we've we've really kind of hammered home what Risk IQ can do for you, as well as what the NetApp security suite can do. So, so Steve, um, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but if not, you know, how do we reach you again? Uh, no, this was uh, this is great. Thanks for for the back and forth. I think it really kind of uh, highlights you know the need for for multiple solutions to solve what is a very you know complex and dynamic uh, threat and vulnerability environment. Um, again, uh, if you you want to reach me, uh, sgginty at uh, at se ginty on twitter and uh steve.ginty at riskiq.com all right uh and azadine uh just azadine at netapp.com and matt yeah i just want to add it, it's so exciting um, to hear the things we've heard today especially spot too right um again newer from us getting us into a different area of security and so that is that is one of the neat things I'm, I'm really excited about. And it's not just simply a data layer, right? So it's kind of cool. We're starting to branch off into that. But outside of that, uh, you can definitely reach me again on Twitter. I do not hide my tweets <laughs> like most, um, most security people. And it's on there at NTAP Matt, N-T-A-P Matt. All right, excellent. We'll include those uh, Twitter handles and email addresses in our blog that accompanies this, um, as well as any links that Steve or Matt want to send along to uh, allow us to find out more information about both Risk IQ uh, as well as NetApp solutions such as Spot and Ontap. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Steve Ginty of Risk IQ, as well as Matt Trudlin and Azadine Benamore of NetApp for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.